Hey, Pastor Ed comes back next Sunday, y'all. Yeah. If you haven't already done so, what are you going to do? One, emails. Two, pray for them. How about three, send a letter, card letter, fill his inbox up, all those. Please do let uh, Pastor Ed and Miss Nancy know we love and appreciate them and all they've done here for almost right at 20 years of, of ministry here in Heartland. So it's great and awesome to work alongside of them. We've been talking about what in these sermons? Control. Control. Yes. Today's title is I Can Get No. Pastor Ed came up with that idea when we were talking about this. He's our creative pastor and met with the pastors and said, hey, let me give you some, some suggestions. And he said, when I read your message, it's all about satisfaction. And he said, this is your title. I said, they won't get it. He goes, they will. And you did. So thank you for making him right and me wrong. Listen, how you deal with the controls in your life is what makes a difference of whether you have good health, good spiritual health, good physical health. Shared with you about the graph I saw with stress on the body at the chiropractor. That's all true stuff. So listen, need to maintain spiritual health and physical health. And you have to do that by reducing the amount of stress in your life. When we look back over the past year, a lot of, a lot of difficulty has been in my life, has been in all of our lives. We, we, we know what we're talking about because we've all lived through it. And it's been tough. It's been tough. But how much control do you really have over life today with work, with your family, and with your church life? What is lacking to make you happy right now? Are you happy? Are you really satisfied? What do you need to gain control of and get over in order to help you with that happiness and moving ahead? You know, sometimes God places us in difficult situations and he knows he's doing it because a lot of times we're not doing what we need to do. We don't obey. We're not obedient. Kind of do what we want to do. And we say, God, deal with it. Well, God does deal with it. And unfortunately, it's not always best for us that we think. It's best what he's doing, but it's not best what we think as being selfish individuals. We want everything we want. You just have to be careful not to let it take a toll on your life. I believe God has a special place for each of us. Somewhere, some way, how do you discover God's perfect will? And that's what you need to work on in order to help you with satisfaction, what to help you with controls. God uses different things in our lives to give us direction. But we can't confuse with dissatisfaction, with dissatisfaction with our own personal wants and desires versus his will. And the people we're getting ready to talk about here in just a minute, children of Israel in exile, they had no other choice. And they were moved from Jerusalem, the milk, land of milk and honey, to Babylon. But it was because of, of their actions. So today as we're going through the service and sermon in the service, think about God's will. And are you in the center of it? Are you in the middle of it? Are you working towards it? And we're going to talk about four things as we move forward. First of all, speaking of control, I was driving down Stratford's Gardens Boulevard the other day, minding my own business, and I see a car pulling out of the car wash. But it's not turning, it's going straight. 
and there's no driver in it. So the guy or the girl who gets out of the car after pulling it out of the car wash, gets out of the car having full control over it, but doesn't put it in park. Gets out of the car, now the car is rolling out onto the four lane road. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting in my own car, my air conditioner going, Joy 91, 87, whatever it is we listen to here, Joy FM, enjoying life and I see this car and I'm, I'm watching two guys chasing it. All you see are elbows and the backs of feet chasing up this car. For the grace of God, no one hit the first lane of traffic, the first two across, and it's heading for the median. The light turned green, which is what I was just in, and we're all moving. And I'm thinking to myself, they're not going to see this car. We're going to have an accident. So these guys are running after the car. And it comes up and hits the median, which is the raised curb. And one tire bounces over and the other tire hits it and it bounces back. And they were able to be there just in time before it made its roll into the other line of traffic. Talk about control. They didn't have control over that car. I couldn't do anything to help them gain control. So listen, control is a very important thing in our lives. It's very important for us to have control. But it's also just as equally important that you can't always have control over everything. And the things you don't have control over, that's what you have to deal with because that's what brings you distress. That's what happened with these people, children of Israel. They were told they were going to be 70 years of captivity. 70 years. They'd be pulled from the land of milk and honey and they'd be taken to, to Babylon, which wasn't the greatest place to live to them. So let's talk about that today. Jeremiah 21, take your copy of God's word. We're honored to have the people watching and listening online. Just make sure that if you're driving, that you don't watch. We want you to maintain control over your vehicle. That's a true story. I've got a story about that too, but I can't tell you. Jeremiah 29. You with me? Say amen. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests. Remember, the exiles are the children of Israel who went to Babylon. The priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother of the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, metal workers, had departed from Jerusalem. These are the people who create things who make things, who build things that can make a city are all gone, departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said this, verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, all those people, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, So God is saying this was sent. What do you do? Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters a marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. So, summary. God says, you people of Israel, you children, you're not behaving, you're not doing, So you're going to Babylon. Now, 
They're going somewhere they don't really want to go. They're being completely uprooted, just like we were. Had a church in Auburndale we love to be at. But God says, I got something else for you, big boy, and sent me to seminary in North Carolina. I didn't want to move to North Carolina. I didn't lose anything in North Carolina. Love the seasons this time of year. Love the trees, love all that. I don't want to move, but we did. So I didn't go up there and sulk, although I was homesick a little bit. My wife just enjoyed baking cookies all day. Really, she did for the summer. She baked cookies at the place she was working. And um, I got homesick. I didn't want to be there. But I made the best of it because God called me and told me to go. So I didn't sulk. You know what sulking means, right? My mama used to tell me, don't, don't you sulk in front of me. And I said, Mom, I'm going to do what I want to do. I didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she used to sit right here in the second row before she passed. And if I just did that right now, she'd be already walking up here with a walker. Come smack me. She would whip me now. So you're not going to decrease. You're going to go and get busy for me. And you're going to make life and have it abundantly. Verse 7. But seek the welfare of peace of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare or the words welfare is also peace or, or fulfillness. You will find your peace, your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So be clear when God sends you that you focus on what God is sharing in your heart. Verse 10, for thus saith the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill you to my promise and bring you back to this place. 70 years, it's a little whooping, 70 year whooping. Do what you're supposed to do. And hopefully that won't happen to any of us. But here's verse number 11. For I know the plans I have for you. That could be a whole sermon alone. Who else in your life and this creation knows the plans for you? God. That's it. And he goes on to say, I know I have the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. God doesn't want evil for us. Who chooses evil? We do. Because we're selfish and we want things our way. And what's he go on to say? To give you a future and hope. <laughs> I want hope. Do you? How do you get hope? It's the same thing, gaining satisfaction, following God's will in your life. Verse number 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, with all your heart, I will be found by you. So God says, I'm going to be available. You just got to find me. I'm here. You just got to find me. Do we really find him? Or do we make decisions, everyday decisions, based on what we want in our own mind, in our heart? Do you pray for decisions when God, to God, do you pray? Or do you just make decisions on the, on the hip, fly off the hip, just do your own thing? This is some of the things we're talking about, guys. Then he goes on to say in, in verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you. Declares the Lord, I will bring you back to this place or back to the place from which I sent you in exile. You're coming back to Jerusalem. Well, here's the deal. To be content, there must be a realization 
of the situation. You don't always know your situation. And until you identify it and understand it, it's hard to deal with it. So and this is what has to be done through prayer, meditation, and seeking God's peace. If you allow God to be the umpire of your heart and your soul, that's where you gain peace. And that's when you know what's right to do. Bobby and I have had decisions we've had to make for moves and ministry-related decisions. And, and when I talk to her about it, she looks at me and says, nah. Well, first of all, I have to be careful to guard myself from not getting mad. Because I can't stand for her to tell me no. And then I stop, I slow down, and I always ask the one question, why? And then next thing I know, she has a litany of about 40 things. <laughs> I feel about two inches tall, and I'm thinking, you're right. I didn't see it. Why? I didn't pray about it. It was what I wanted. Because I was just seeking my, my own thoughts. So in order not to be carried away as an exile, we have to pray and ask God to give us control over the situation the best we can. You may not be controlling, the exiles are not controlling where they're going, but once they arrive, what are they doing? They have control over the situation at that point in time. So many times we want to sulk. So many times we say, I don't want to do that. But it's apparent it's going to happen, and you don't follow suit. And then that's when discontent occurs, lack of control takes over, and then that's when your problems begin and then continue on. Difficulties you may be experiencing right now in your life are things from your upbringing, still trying to deal with, with family past and history, current family problems or relationships. And again, why do, why do some people overcome that negativity? Because they gain control over it and make a difference and take control. Trying to find a job or difficulties on the job, whatever the situation may be, you can have some control over that. I... Uh, know some people have stubbed their toe and it's a dramatic experience yeah oh oh it's terrible I've got people all the time come up to me and say hey I'm so sorry you went through all the situations you've been preaching about the last couple couple Sundays and I said look at so you want to know something let me tell you what's worse than my troubles and that's cancer that's cancer and I've used that terminology with people probably a little too loosely I have a little more respect for cancer now because I've had family members who've had it, and we have people right here in our church that are struggling with it. And we, as the pastors and the staff, have become close to some of these people because we pray for them all the time, and we, we are encouraged by them because they share with some things. Well, let me, let me share a couple things with you that are common denominators or traits about people with cancer at Heartland Church that I have a lot of respect for and love and appreciate their stand and where they, how they're dealing with it because... They had to gain some control and they have to have peace in order to have life, positive outlook on life, asking how they can help others in their same situation, making a difference in supporting and empathizing with other people, willingness to reach out to people in the chemo room, writing their names in a prayer journal. Now, can you imagine a person in the chemo room getting chemo looking around the room and saying, hey, what's your name, Mr. Other Chemo Person? And writing her name down to pray for him. I went in those chemo rooms. My mom had breast cancer, and I went in those chemo rooms. I was in there one time when somebody rang the bell. When they ring the bell, it's when you're done. Ministering to the doctors, medical staff, sharing their testimonies. 
Days when they are angry about their situation, but know that God is in control. One person quotes, the doctors are not my author. The doctors are not my author of my story. Cancer is not the author of my story. God is the author of my story and he has the final say. That was by a quote from one of our cancer folks in our church. Another person quotes, there's no way to deal with cancer without God. I have to lean and depend on him more than ever before. If you have a terminal illness, you have to have the Lord to get you through. He shows, him health, shows himself through this experience and negativity cannot rule my life. You might be thinking right here, sitting here, I don't have cancer, so I'm good. No, you may not have cancer, but you have sin. And some allow sin to captivate their lives. And it can be just as bad as cancer, if not worse. What is God trying to accomplish to bring about change in you? That's what you have to determine. Is that change, is it something because God's trying to use you for something? This is only something you can figure out. What is your comfort zone? Where's your comfort zone? If you get pushed out of it, how are you dealing with it? Is it because of the worldly things why you have discontent? Or is God really trying to show you something through that? Like I shared with you, I, I knew when we arranged for Pastor Ed to go on his sabbatical, and I knew that all the pastors would have three besides Pastor Ed, uh, Pastor Eric, because he left us. He was upset with me that day, by the way. I said, Pastor Eric, don't be upset with me. If you hadn't left, I'd have given you mine. I'm just kidding. Love Pastor Eric. Just taking at 11 o'clock service, you can take privileges and make fun of people and stuff. Because there's no time limit. We're going to stay until about one. You okay with that? Just kidding. Somebody's freaking out right now. Oh, no one. I got to be at the restaurant before people get in there. I got to get my table. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Those three guys got put in the fiery furnace, didn't they? They heated up the furnace seven times harder than normal, and the guards that put them in there were even burned up and died. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come walking out of that furnace, were put there because they would not bow down to the king and do everything that the king told them to do because it wasn't part of what God was telling them to do. They were honoring God. So God shared the testimony and said, I'll tell you what, big boy, I'm going to put these three guys in here and take care of them. Yeah, what a testimony. What a miracle. Those guys came out without a singed hair. Demons smell like fire. How many times you set a fire and you go inside the house and your wife or your husband looks and says, man, you stink. Go take a shower. These three guys didn't have a thread of smoke on them. Didn't stink. God was showing out, wasn't he? He said, we're going to take a stand. I'm going to protect you guys. What a testimony. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated in the right hand of the throne of God. <laughs> I want God, the man who's on the right, right hand throne of God, I want Jesus Christ to be a part of my life. Have you made that decision sometime in your life? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven? You have an opportunity at the end of the service today. To be, dis- be content, there must be investment. We talked about in verse number five, build houses, make a life, make a home, 
Have kids, have, make food, eat food, do the best you can. I'm sure there are probably some disgruntled people there. So if I can have my way, fill in the blank. But I'm sure there were some there also that did exactly what they were told to do. They are the ones that reap satisfaction. They are the ones that, that reaped the joy. You may be listening to this message and you're alone, your spouse or kids aren't along, alongside of you, but you are here. You know, you may not be in control of everything around you, but if you'll let God be in control of you and to fix you or help you or bless you, he'll take care of everyone else, won't he? Yeah? It's up to you to take care of business with yourself. Those are the things you have control over. You can't control everybody around you. And you've heard my testimony. I've, I've tried it in the past. It just don't work. Take care of yourself. Be blessed as a result of that. Get plugged in. Get busy. Why can't you be satisfied? Because God has you here now. Why is it? Again, why are you living like your bags are packed? Why are you living like your bags are packed? You're looking for the next best thing? If you want God's best for your family and for you, invest in them. Invest in your church. Invest in your church. How about coming up here and singing or playing an instrument? I know some of y'all sing. I know some of y'all play instruments. How come you're not getting with Pastor Mike saying, here I am. What can I do? How do I try out? Tech team always needs people out there to, in the back here to make sure they sound good up here and keep the lights on for us. Like Tom Bodet used to do at Motel 6. It, it takes all people to run the church. Kids in the back. Ushers, safety team, coffee. Who had a cup of coffee in here? Raise your hand. Okay. So some of y'all are being honest and some of y'all are putting it down because you don't want to be embarrassed because you're not doing anything on Sundays. Somebody poured that coffee for you. Listen, get involved, encouraging others, being a part of what we do here. Facilitate a small group or even join one, telling those about your church and Jesus Christ. Those are all parts of the things to give your best to God. If you're, you, you got to use your gifts and your talents. You never know how many people's lives will be affected because of you. Think about that for a second. Somebody sitting right next to you, maybe a casual friend or somebody you just met, or it could be your closest spouse. They were looking up to you. A hope? Or is your example, they're looking down, saying you're not quite cutting it. I mean, I'm just saying, what do you have control over? That's what you make a difference of. People are watching you. Make a difference in their life. Be positive. Make a difference in their life and helping them. Luke 19, 17 says this. And he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> because you've been faithful in little things. Oh, you have authority over 10 cities, which means royally blessed because you were diligent and you did what you're supposed to do. That's what makes all the difference in the world. You don't know who can affect, who, who, what lives you could affect. So we talk about lack of discontentment. If you're discontent, lack of contentment, where is this strong from? And who's directly related to you can be affected by it. Your friends, relatives, productivity. If you're not happy, you don't, you don't work as hard. When you're not happy, you don't put in as much. When you're not happy, the kingdom work here, if you're plugged in and serving here, doesn't, uh, doesn't quite reach the 100% mark of working hard for him. Third, to be content, there must be intercession. It says in verse number seven, the latter part, 
and pray to the Lord on his behalf. Pray. Pray to the Lord for peace, and here you'll find peace. Allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life. Set the authority of heaven free. Don't you want heaven's authority in your life? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Proverbs 18.10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and safe. When I was a youth pastor back in the day, we used to do a song. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We did the hand motions too. The righteous run into it and they are safe. There you go. The kids love doing it anyway. And back when I was younger, I'd do it and it was better, but anyway. You'll never forget that verse now. To be content, there must be intimacy. Verse number 11, for I know the plans I have for you. We've talked about that a second ago, declares the Lord. He knows, he knows what he's done for you. He knows what he has. It's up to you to act on it. Seek him and he will find you. And that's what this verse is saying. He's ready for you. He's ready to, to, to give to you. He's ready to minister to you. You just have to be in control over it. You have to seek it. You have to find it. Matthew six thirty three says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then some of the things will be added to you. Is that what it says? All. Not that mean if you want a Cadillac, you're going to get a Cadillac tomorrow. But it does mean that all things that you need, God will provide. You have to kind of get this. You know, I mentioned a second ago about living like your bags are packed. I've got a shaving kit. And when we travel, I throw my junk in it, my deodorant stuff. Zip it up. She always asks me, Bobby, are you ready? I said, yep. And I zip the bag up and hand it to her. She puts it wherever. When I come home, I set it on the kitchen cabinet, the countertop, and I work out of it. You know that? I leave my toothbrush in there. I leave my razor in there. Why? I don't have to dig it out of the drawer. It's right through my shaving kit. She doesn't like it. She wants me to unpack it, put everything in the drawer. I said, then I got to open the drawer, dig through the drawer. And then when we go somewhere, I got to get it all out and pack it in the shaving kit. So I noticed this weekend, because we just got back from a trip, I noticed this weekend that there, there were some things moved out into the drawer but the shaving kits or medicine, whatever you call it, is still there, but I know it's just half empty. So I guess she was trying to do it in stages, like I wouldn't notice, I noticed. <laughs> but here's the deal. What she is saying makes so much, so, uh, so much sense, and that is to don't live like you're gonna pack the next best thing. Y- y'all hear what I'm saying? Be satisfied where you are now unless there's a reason to make a move. And that's something that God needs to direct you. Don't, don't live and keeping your bags packed so it's easy to pick up and go because there's no satisfaction in that. So you have to be careful to guard, let, let Satan get involved with your life and, and him give you lack of control and dissatisfaction. You know, there's a, there's a guy in the Bible that has been beaten almost starved, left naked, chained in prison, but he still praised God, and that's the Apostle Paul. If anybody had a reason to be unhappy, it'd be Paul saying, God, I'm tired of this. Get me some clothes at least. 
Well, he says in Philippians chapter four, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So whatever situation Paul was in, he made the best of it, just like the exiles. He made the best of it. Then he goes on to say, I know how to be brought low, not having anything, poor, broken, naked, starved. And I know how to abound when things are good. He knows how to live in that echelon as well. But here's what he goes on to say, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And him means the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you truly want to have peace in your life? Do you truly want to have joy and be able to control the things you control? You have to do some soul searching, some Bible study, and some prayer to identify those things. Therein, you'll identify what God has for you. And your discontent, is it centered on self, selfishness, worry, all these things you have no control over? That's problematic. Or you center it on things of God, that maybe God wants you to do something for him. So are you content today? Are you happy? Are you searching for something more? Every day, we all go through periods of time where we're not happy about something. I get it. I do too. I just have to guard myself and not keep my bags packed for the next best thing. And there's a story that I want to share with you before we leave today. It's called The Stonecutter. The Stonecutter's Journey taught me a valuable lesson in life, and I want to share it with you now. Once there was a stonecutter who lived in a small village in a far-off kingdom. Stonecutter was very good at his craft. People from miles around would come to have him carve items. He could see what was to be cut out as he looked at the rough block of stone. One day, the stonecutter heard a great commotion in front of his shop. He went out to see what was happening. The whole village had lined the streets. He asked the neighbor what was happening. The king is coming, the neighbor shouted. And so it was. The stonecutter saw the king on a magnificent white horse, attired in a fine regiment. The stonecutter was amazed. What power? How I wish I was that powerful, he thought. And as quickly as the thought entered his mind, the stonecutter was now the king. Stonecutter rode off to the capital. There he ruled over the kingdom. He thought to himself, I'm the most powerful thing in all the world. This continued for some time until drought occurred. For many days, there was, a, there was no rain, no clouds. And one day, his people suffered from the merciless heat of the sun. The stonecutter thought, as king, I am not the most powerful. The sun can dry up the land and make the people suffer. As king, I cannot do this. I wish I were the sun. And as quickly as a thought entered his mind, he was now the sun. The stonecutter now then shone down on the pingdom and the people thinking how powerful he was to make them suffer from the heat and the drought. This went on for many days. Then one day he saw on the horizon a small cloud. Soon the cloud covered the land and brought relief from the heat and drought. The stonecutter thought, I'm not the most powerful for this cloud has blocked my rays. I wish I were the cloud. As quickly as the thought entered his mind, the stonecutter was now the cloud. The stonecutter covered the land. He put forth his power with lightning and thunder. 
He rained down on the people and the land for days and days. He caused floods that washed away parts of the land. He thought himself the most powerful because he could make the people afraid and change the shape of the earth. But as he rained down, he noticed the huge stone. It did not yield to his reins, nor did it move or tremble at his thunder and lightning. So the stonecutter thought, I'm not the most powerful. The stone is. Nothing can move it or wear it or change it. I wish I were the stone. Well, as quickly as a stonecutter, the thought entered his mind. He was now the stone. And here's the transition. Now the stonecutter rests in his place as the great stone for a long time. Nothing seemed to affect him. Not sun, nor rain, nor wind. Yet he thought himself the most powerful until he felt a strange feeling. He felt a blow and then another and then another. Soon these blows started to change his shape. In astonishment, he looked to see what was going on. It was a stone cutter with a chisel and hammer. So he thought, I'm not the most powerful. The stone cutter is, for he can shape the stone. I wish I were a stone cutter. And as quickly as the thought entered his mind, the stone cutter was back in his little village at his little shop as a stone cutter. <laughs> we, we always think something's greener on the other side, don't we? My mom used to tell me nothing's greener on the other side. You live with your bags packed, it causes discontentment. You have to live with stability. You have to live with control over the things you are able to control. You have to deal with the things you are not in control over and pray and work through those things. Galatians chapter five says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. We don't know when our time on this earth is over, but one thing I can assure you, it's gonna happen. I've done more funerals in the last year than I've ever done in my life. Many reasons, many reasons, young and old, many reasons. Dealt with more problem marriages and relationships with families and kids than ever had before in the last year. So it's a difficult time. So I'm challenging all of us to deal with ourselves, gain control over the things we can control, do the best we can with what we are given Identify your discontentment that it's not you and that maybe it's the Lord moving you, giving you direction. And live like what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil. And let me tell you this. If you don't think the devil's not an adversary, if you don't think the devil is powerful, you're in for a rude awakening Seriously. So don't let that roaring lion seeking who he's going to devour, don't let it be you. Don't let it be you. Seek contentment. Get settled. 
Pray for the things and control that you control over. Deal with the ones you cannot control, but work on yourself first. Listen, one of my favorite songs is Blessed Assurance. And that's our invitation song that Daniel's getting ready to come and sing. And it goes like this, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. I'm asking you to do one of four things, or you can do all four things today, that's fine with me. First, the crosses have pens and pencils at it, paper. Nail up symbolically your prayer requests or your praise report. Every Monday, your church staff reads every single one of them and you're prayed for. Second, altar is always open. Come on up and pray. Third, seat backs in front of you. There's a QR code you can scan and you can fill out electronically or just take the card and the pen that's behind there and fill out the card. Let us know a decision you made or help that you need and we will react and, and, and act on that ASAP. Put them in the boxes or nail it to the cross. Lastly, prayer team will be in the back. They've got lanyards on. At the amen, turn and head right back to go see them. Right when we get ready to stand and sing, you'll have that opportunity. So now I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna turn it over to the band for invitation song. And at my end of my prayer, you're gonna stand worship and go back and see your prayer team. Go to the crosses, come to the altar or use the seat back card in front of you. I don't know what you need to do, but do one of them if you need to seek God in your life or on behalf of someone other. Someone else, help them. Maybe, maybe you can be that person that can reach out to them. So Father, we just want to turn this over to you. I've done the best I could with the information I was able to share. We know God's word never returns void, so maybe there's someone here today that's a life change is about to take place. It will give you the honor and glory for it. So let this song, Blessing Assurance, touch our hearts and make a difference. We say it all in the matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Let's stand and worship together.